Morning. Hope you all had a great Christmas. Uh, I am not there today, uh, but we have an awesome guest speaker with you. Uh, before I get to our guest speaker, I uh, wanted to tell you that next Sunday, January 6th, we are going to be starting one of our biggest series ever here at Renovation Church. You know, our church is getting to the age where we're just seeing a lot of people who are struggling with broken relationships, uh, even broken marriages. And I feel like the Lord has really put on my heart that we just need to kind of put the pause on what we're doing with Luke right now and just spend some time in a four-week marriage series. The series is going to be called Happily Even After. And we're going to talk about how through the Lord you can be happy even after the wedding day. And we're going to walk you through God's word and give you some principles and strategies to help you have a healthy marriage, whether you're married right now or you might be someday. So don't miss this. It's going to be huge. Uh, and bring somebody with you who needs to hear this as well. Uh, you know, our guest speaker this morning is Mark Warder. Uh, this is actually Mark's third time uh, coming to renovation, so we're pumped for that. Uh, Mark works for Pulse Movement. He's a fantastic communicator, and he's got a huge heart for the lost. And so we're excited to have him back with us here this morning. Uh, would you help me welcome Mark to the stage? Hey, Renovation, thank you for having me back. And you made it to church. I'm excited to be here, and I hope that you are too. Yeah, again, I was a part of that, that large gathering at U.S. Bank Stadium last May. It was called Pulse Twin Cities. Maybe some of you were there or prayed for it or heard about it. And it's been fun to engage with young people in unique ways like putting on events at U.S. Bank Stadium. Hey, I want to show you a picture of my family right now. So um, Kelly, my wife, and I have been married for 16 years, and we love to go to movies. Anybody else here love going to movies and sitting in those chairs now that kind of recline back, and it's just like quite, quite an experience. My daughter Leah, she's going to be 13 in February, and every May I'm in the father-daughter dance for her recital. So we look forward to it every year. This will be my sixth year dancing. I'm not going to dance this morning. But if you want to come to the recital in May, I'll, I'll give you the information for that. Uh, my son, Will, he is 11, and uh, we recently have been playing Madden 19. It's a video game. And then we also play football. We play catch down in the basement. We both put on our receiver gloves, and we, have over this break, have just been playing catch for hours and hours and hours. And then my son, David, who is two, we just recently adopted him a couple months ago from Minneapolis. And we were a part of the adoption story and process for the last year and a half. And we're just excited to uh, have celebrated with him his very first Christmas with us. And um, me personally, I'm a huge Minnesota Viking fan, so I cannot not mention um, who's excited about the game today. I was like six people. I was kind of weak. You know, I, I want to go, skull. <laughs> but uh, we're excited for the game, and I also am a huge fan of track and field. And whenever the Olympics are on, you'll find me watching every round, like the semifinal, like, like multiple rounds to get to the finals. I, I've even had my stopwatch with me sometimes, and I'm taking splits on the relays, and I'm just kind of a track and field nerd. And uh, I also just love hanging out with young people. And for the last 20 years, uh, my wife and I have been youth pastors and uh, teachers and coaches, and we love to be able to mentor them and encourage them in the faith. So let me ask you this question. How many people in the last seven days have opened up Facebook? Go ahead and just raise your hand. 
Now, everybody over 40 raised their hand. Everybody under 40 was like, come on, Facebook, really? Okay, but you know what Facebook is, obviously. And I want to show you two videos that I personally have shared on Facebook. So here's the first one. Keep it going. This is a um, tradition in New Zealand to show honor towards someone. A high school is paying honor to a teacher that's retiring. Oh man, it's just so strong. It's just so powerful, right? Okay, and, and then the next video, I'm almost certain all of you have seen it. So go ahead and check out. <laughs> it, it's the Chewbacca lady, right? And uh, so, I mean, many of us, I mean, just millions and millions and millions of views. And it was just really easy for me just to click on that share button. Everybody else was doing it and just kind of enjoying that moment. Like I said, Kelly and I love to go to movies. This last year, I saw the movie A Quiet Place with uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. It, it, it uh, came out last April. And I love that movie so much, I probably told over 10 people, you need to go and see this movie. We get so excited about certain things, and it's so easy to share certain things in our life. But how ready, often, and willing do we share our faith? How would you rate yourself this year? How did you do? I think a lot of us here would say, well, I mean, okay. But maybe all of us could say, we'd like to do better in sharing our faith. The Barna Group did um, some research 25 years ago and then last year and compared the statistics. I want to show you this quote here. In 1993, that's 25 years ago. How many here were alive in 1993? Raise your hand. All right, okay, so in 93, 89% of Christians who had shared their faith agreed this is a responsibility of every Christian. So 89%, that's okay. But then look at today, just 64% would say so. That's a 25-point drop. 64% would say, no, I mean, probably not. So is this the responsibility of every Christian? And according to the same research, more and more are saying it's the responsibility, listen, of the church staff, not the individual. Now, I know here at Renovation, and because I've been doing church relations for Pulse, Renovation puts on, hear this, some of the best outreach events in the region. Not in Blaine, not even uh, in the Twin Cities, in the region. You guys are just crushing it the bouncy house thing, and I mean, your Christmas Eve services and your Easter services, and it's this invitation that you're trying to invite these, these friends and family members and coworkers to come hear more about this Jesus. But I think a lot of times, if we get caught in that rut of relying on the church, relying on the church staff and relying on David, maybe we're missing out on some of the things that was actually intended for us as individual believers. Let me just pray for us right now. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use this time and use your word to, to shift us, to change us, to stir us up. God, I just need you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill me, fill each person in this room, and give us clarity on what you want us to do. 
by the end of our time. In Jesus' name, amen. So personally sharing our faith comes from Jesus' last words. So in Matthew 28, he says, All authority has been given to me, which when, when someone says that, the next thing that follows is really important to pay attention to, right? All authority has been given to me. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples. And that word go in the, orig- in the original language means as you go. So not just one moment, but every day, the ordinary parts of your life. As you go, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So those three things. And then in Acts 1, he says, you're going to be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these are Jesus' words right before he goes back to be with the Father. And even in Matthew 4, 19, he says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Or an earlier translation is, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so Jesus, I think, is pretty clear here. We're supposed to follow him. We're supposed to obey him. Now, how many of you, when you were growing up, played the game, Simon Says, right? Let's just play it right now, okay? I'm serious. Uh, Simon Says, give me a thumbs up. Hey, you guys all did it. This girl right here in the front, she's like. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, Simon Says, touch your shoulder. Simon Says, raise your hand. Simon Says, touch your nose. Okay, go ahead and raise your hand again. Oh, I didn't say Simon Says. I got like four people, okay? Now, that's a pretty easy activity because you're supposed to follow and obey what the leader is saying. But in the church, Jesus Says is a totally different game, right? Jesus says something. You don't actually have to do it. You just have to memorize it, right? Ooh, it got really quiet in here. He says, go and make disciples, but are we actually doing that? Here's a real-life example. If I were to say to my son, who's 11, hey, Will, go take out the garbage. And and he he comes back about an hour later, and he's like, hey, Dad, I memorized what you said. Hey, Will, go take out the garbage. I'd be like, what'd you say? (laughs) And then he's like, and I actually can say it in the original Greek, be like, what'd you say? And he said, and then dad, some of my friends are going to come over tonight and and we're going to do a study on what it means to take out the garbage. I'd be like, get to the kitchen, get that garbage bag and get outside, right? Because as a father to a son, he's supposed to obey the things that I ask him to do. And it's the same way in the church, but so often You know, that passage from Matthew 28, they call it the great commission, not the great suggestion. So how are we doing in this area of sharing our faith? Let's go ahead and look at one example from John 4. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to John 4 or turn on your phone or your iPad. It'll also be up on the screen. And this is a popular story when Jesus talks about the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And many, 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 everyone say many. Many pastors and speakers, probably even Pastor David, has talked about Jesus breaking these cultural and religious barriers. And these are profound, but we're not going to talk about that today. I want to talk about what happens to the woman after she encounters Jesus at the well. What happens to her the moments after? And so follow along with me, John 4, 
verses uh, 25, and then we're going to kind of jump a little bit farther down. So John 4, 25, it says, The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. But then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman, again, because of these cultural differences. But no one asked, hey, what, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, which is super significant. Think about that. She went there to bring her water because she was thirsty, because she needed it to live. She has this encounter with Jesus. She leaves the water jar there. That's a powerful detail in this story. Leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans, so now verse 39, so skip down. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days, which is really cool. And because his words, many more became believers. If I were to summarize this into one phrase, I'd say, she shared her story and led them to Jesus. It, it seems so simple. She shared her story and she led them to Jesus. Now, we can hear these motivating sermons or inspirational sermons, and we can leave, you know, on a Sunday or you went to some conference and you're like, yes, the time is now, you know. I got this. Let's go, you know, for Narnia, right? You know, it's like, we can get really inspired, but then I, sometimes I feel like by Tuesday, we have no idea what the pastor said. Maybe not here at Renovation, right? But a lot of times it's like, okay, wait, what did, what did David say? What was, what was he saying? What, what was that one? You know, it's like, we need to put this into practice like right now. But I want to just say this out loud. This whole sharing your faith kind of thing, it's really hard. When you think about all the things that are connected to the church, we have the worship time, which by the way, the band, you guys are awesome. So the worship time, there's like Bible study and discipleship, there's serving in the church, there's um, fellowship in the church, but this thing, it's called evangelism. Uh, that, that one's a little bit different. And let's just all say we've made excuses and have had fears about this. I don't know anyone that hasn't admitted to chickening out on some of these things. Check out some of these fears and excuses. And I just want to go through them because I want you and, and me to identify which ones have we used and which ones do we use the most. Because I want you to identify and just kind of almost own it, knowing this, that we all have used these before. Here's the first one. I don't have time to share my faith. I mean, that is... That is so common because we live in this just hustle and bustle. We have so many things going on. I'm just so busy. Pausing. You know, Jesus in that passage says he stopped there for two days. It's incredible. I don't know how to start a spiritual conversation. That's fair. I already know they'd say no. I'm waiting for the perfect time. <laughs> the next one. I'm not a good speaker. Anybody here feel like, that would be yours. I'm not a good speaker. Would you be willing to come up here and share that with us right now? Just kidding. Um, I'm not an outgoing person. I want to speak with my life, not my words. I will definitely come back to that one. 
I feel like a bad example to be sharing the gospel. I have a boring testimony. Oh man, as a youth pastor, I've heard that so many times. And let me just say this. No one has a boring testimony. If you've come into faith in Jesus Christ, you have gone from death to life, from darkness to light. And even right now, he is doing things in your life which is not boring. So don't ever say that again. Believe that that your testimony is powerful. The next one, it's my pastor's job to share the gospel, not mine. I don't have, I don't know how to share my faith. I won't be able to answer their questions. I'm scared of getting rejected or looked down on. I think that's maybe one of the most common. Again, identify what yours is and own it because this is going to bubble up again in your life. And then I think you're going to have about three seconds to make a new decision. It's about three seconds in that moment. I was just playing hoops. I play pickup basketball three times a week. I am not a basketball player. I actually played 13 years of hockey during the winter. But uh, it's a free workout. I go to a high school and a bunch of teachers and coaches play. And so before one of the Christmas Eve days, a couple, day, a couple days ago, and we're all just kind of sitting around afterwards. And I felt that nudge from God to ask the person, this guy, this friend of mine, who I was sitting next to, what his Christmas Eve plans were. And, and you guys, I've been a pastor for, you know, 15 years. And I've shared the gospel a lot of times from the stage. And I just got paralyzed by this fear of, man, how is he going to respond to this? He's going to think this is kind of lame. And I kind of I walked away, and I was, I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking, man, it just happened to me. And so I don't know if you've had any moments like that, but I believe that, that God will start to nudge you as you believe that, that, that you are called to share your faith. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. I mean, fear of rejection is such a big part of it. I was watching YouTube, and this one guy was trying to overcome his fear of rejection, and so he was going up to people on the street and asking them for a hundred bucks. Just, just walking up to complete strangers. Hey, how's it going? Can I have a hundred bucks? And they'd be like, no. And he'd be like, oh. Okay. He goes into the next person. Hey, can I have 100 bucks? No. Oh. And, and like by the fifth or sixth time, he was like, hey, can I have 100 bucks? And they'd be like, no. He'd be like, okay, have a nice day. You know, it's like he got over that fear of rejection. I was going to actually do that here at renovation for my kid's college fund. You know, hey, can I have 100 bucks? No. Can I have 100 bucks? No. See, Pastor David has all of your money locked up in that capital campaign for the building that none of you have any money left. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we need to overcome this fear of rejection. Um, listen, just because you have these excuses or fears that come up doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. Okay, it doesn't mean you're any less spiritual. But again, in that three-second moment, you get to make a choice and to do something different or to ask a question or to open your mouth. And listen, very few are naturally doing this. Like, I just love to share my faith. This is so awesome. You know, hey, how's it going? Man, like, uh, can I, you know, and this like, just can kind of just jump into it and start talking about it. There are some that I know, but listen, very few naturally are doing this. And that's okay. It's not supposed to actually be like natural. It's supposed to be done in the super. 
the, the supernatural. Let's talk about that. There's, there, there's three things I want us to, to think about. Prayer, care, and share. And this is all about sharing your faith. Prayer, care, and share. You will receive power, it said in Acts 1. Okay, so, so Jesus is saying, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, why? The Holy Spirit's going to give you power. Why? Because you're going to be my witnesses. So in order to do this, you actually are supposed to be connected to this power source. I wrote this down. Prayer ignites power in your life. Prayer ignites power in your life. So this whole sharing your faith and making disciples and being witnesses has to be attached to prayer, has to be attached to the supernatural. So prayer ignites power in your life. I know this one guy, and he's not a powerful guy, but each day he prays a powerful prayer. Put it up here on the screen. Every day he, he, he prays this. Father, lead me to share my faith with one person today. That is a dangerous prayer. That is a powerful prayer that I dare each one of you to pray each morning. What would he do in your life? Who would he lead you to? You know what? He would lead you to people who right now are walking around with a Christless reality. You, many of you here, have experienced the grace, the forgiveness, the acceptance. And we have so many family members, coworkers, friends, neighbors that need Christ in their life. And maybe God has put you strategically in their life for such a time as this. I believe that. One of my friends, when he's at a restaurant and all the food comes and the server always does that check back to make sure everybody has everything, he waits for the server to come back. And then he asks the server, hey, we're going to pray right now for our food, but is there any prayer request that you may have in your life that we could pray for you right now? And I was just with him a couple of days ago. And the server said no, but it was so cool to see this young follower of Jesus, he's 25 years old, ask that question with a complete stranger. And, and we still prayed for him, but it was this moment where not only with people that you know, but people that you maybe even don't know that God would bring you into their life so that you could share your faith. The second part of this prayer piece would be this. Are you specifically praying for a number of people in your life who don't yet know Christ? I encourage you to take a note card or some piece of paper and put it somewhere maybe on your dashboard or on the mirror of your bathroom. And it's just a few names that God puts on your heart. People that really need to know and experience him and just start praying consistently for them. Watch and see how God will use you in each of their lives. So the first one is prayer, okay? Prayer, care, share. Second one is care. Here's a challenge. As followers of Jesus... And again, if you're here and you're just checking out church, you're checking out this whole Jesus thing, man, I know that Pastor David loves that you're here, okay? And you are welcome to be a part of this church, belong to this church before you believe in what this church believes in. But for those of you that are believers here, you need to be the most loving and caring person in whatever room you encounter. Whatever party you go to, let's just think about New Year's Eve. Whatever you do on New Year's Eve, as you step into that place, you should be the most loving and caring person there. Well, why? Because of what Christ did for us. 
Are you a loving and caring person? And then are you a loving and caring person to the people in your life that really need the love of Christ, the care of Christ in their life? Because you get to extend it to them. Look at Jesus and this woman. He wasn't supposed to be talking to her, but instead he became like a mentor and a friend to her, spent time with her. And then when you think about him spending two more days, I bet she was right there by his side for those two days. And he allowed her to be there. He allowed other women to be in his circle and to spend time with him. The woman that poured all that perfume on his feet the most loving and caring person. So shovel your neighbor's driveway. Watch your friend's kids so they can go out on a date because you know their marriage is struggling. Instead of just texting a family member or, or, a, or, a, or a roommate or a suite mate or a, a coworker, actually go over to their house in that moment of struggle. Be there. Be present. You and I should be the most loving and caring person in the room. Now, just two days ago, I shared something else on my Facebook page. And look at this. There was a story I just, uh, I just saw. And this dad bought six plane tickets so he could be with his daughter on Christmas Eve and Christmas because she had to work for Delta and she was a flight attendant. I'm just thinking, this dad, what a radical, loving, and caring act. Now, I don't know who these people are, and I don't know where they are spiritually, but let's just pretend like the dad is a believer. Let's just say that the daughter has fallen away from the faith or isn't a believer. What a powerful, loving act that if he wanted to get into some spiritual conversations or, or talk more about his faith, like on a day like today or next week, do you think that maybe she would be more readily open to that? I would say yes. Let's do things like this, Father. Let's, let's do radical, loving acts of kindness, especially to the people who haven't yet taken that step of faith. And here's the last thing. So it's prayer, care, and share. We're going to have to share. We're going to have to actually open our mouth and share our faith about 20 years ago, I saw this quote, and at the time, I was like, wow, this is powerful. And as a youth pastor, I used it in several sermons. Here's the quote, share the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. It's like, drop the mic, right? No, 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 no. This quote is bad. This quote is bad, okay? And here's the reason why. I had a friend, his name was Paul. And he, ha he basically lived by this moment. He was like, I'm going to live out my faith and I'm just going to be so different than kind of the rest of my friends. And people are going to come up to me and they're going to ask me, hey, Paul, what is so different about you? Or, hey, Paul, why are you so happy all the time? And he tried this in his senior year of high school and four years in college. And guess what? Guess how many people asked him those questions? Zero. No one asked him about his faith. No one did eventually we're going to have to open our mouths and start saying something about Jesus. We are. I think this is part of what Jesus was saying, to make disciples and be his witnesses. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, but Mark, you know, my faith is private. And I would just lovingly say to you, I don't believe that to be true. Because when Jesus said in Matthew 28, 
He said, go make disciples. And then he said, what? Be baptized. Like, baptize them. Well, what's baptism? Baptism is a public expression of an inward decision that you've already made. So yes, maybe that moment where you encountered Christ for the first time was very private. Our faith is not meant to be private. We have to go public. Okay, so, so how are we going to do this? Because hopefully we're on the same page and we're kind of moving together towards this. But again, it's like I know someone that I probably should share my faith with, but I just have no idea how to do it. So let's just go back to that passage from John 4. John 4, 39. Sorry, John 4, 39. And it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of the woman's testimony. It was because she shared her life with them. Now, we maybe will have to just take a step back and say, in order to share my faith, maybe... In your marriage, you just need to start talking more about Jesus. Maybe in your family. Like, like, like maybe you come to church and there's kind of this church thing, but then you kind of go home and to be honest, what's talked about in your home isn't very godly. It's maybe not bad, but you just don't really have that many conversations about Jesus in your home, with your kids, in your marriage. Or maybe you don't have that many conversations with your roommates, or you know, you're on campus somewhere. If you're a college student that's back from school, and you just, you just don't really talk that much about Jesus with people. So here's the challenge, even today, and because the Vikings games got moved to 3.30, right, there's time in the car ride home or at lunch this afternoon to talk about what God is doing in your life right now. That's testimony right now. Talk about this prayer, care, share. Talk about your excuse or your fear. Talk about a story where you did share your faith and it was just like a total dud. You know what? Every time you share your faith, listen, God plants a seed. God is at work. God is doing something. And because you take that step of faith, he's going to bless it. But we need to start talking about Jesus with the most important people in our lives. Think about that. We don't say the most important things to the most important people in our life. It's not unfortunate. I mean, there's, there's things like saying I love you or I forgive you or thank you or uh, you are valued. I mean, these are really important things that everyone should be saying to the most important people in their life. But as followers of Christ, we should be sharing the most important thing in our life with the most important people in our life. And yet, fear can just paralyze us. Now, I want to just give... Uh, parents, a real quick uh, parenting life hack. Don't you want your kids to have a faith that sticks when they go off to college? So we're like training, training, preparing. As a youth pastor, people would ask me all the time, man, you know, how do we help these millennials or even now Gen Z own their faith when they go off to college? When they go off to college, not just, uh, you know, strive in their faith, but thrive. One of the biggest testimonies I've seen are parents, listen, that live their faith out loud. And that seems so cliche to say, but listen, you are over-verbalizing everything spiritual in your life related to Christ with your family members. Well, what do you mean? Well, because just a lot of times in the car ride, the parents are just asking the kids, hey, you know, how is Sunday school? And they're like, good. No, what'd you guys do? Uh, like, like, what'd you guys talk about? 
Jesus, oh, okay. And then you like, you know, change the conversation. Hey, if you're a young person here, I want you to ask your parents today. Hey, mom, dad, what did you learn? What did you take away? What did the Holy Spirit do in your life this morning? And parents, over-verbalize everything. When you're struggling with something, tell them. And then talk about how you went to prayer. And that passage from Philippians 4 where it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, present your request to God in the peace of God. And I felt this peace that came over my life. Are you having these conversations in your home? You start praying for five people. And then you talk about that with your kids. Oh man, I was praying for... For, for Jake, and, and, and then all of a sudden I was in this conversation with him and it just totally turned. I had the chance to share. And, and you as moms and dads get to live your faith out loud and your kids will catch it. Your kids will, will be impacted by it. And even if you're not a parent yet, you be that person in your friend group that lives their faith out loud. Start more spiritual conversations. The next time you hang out with your friends, the next time you're, you're at a coffee date with someone, bring up Jesus. Bring up what he's doing in your life. Bring up what he's doing in your family's life. We just need to keep talking about it. And the woman here, again, it was because of her testimony. Again, very, very condensed way to say it. She shared her story and led them to Jesus. She shared her story or led them to Jesus. So she shared testimony with them, and they believed her. Let me share you personally a testimony in my life just to be an example to all of you. So my son, Will, who's 11, he has cerebral palsy. We don't very often share that with people, even though like 500 people will hear that right now, but um, it's just not like something like, hey, this is my son, Will, guess what, he has CP. Like, you, you just don't do that as, as, I think, healthy parents, right? But he's really struggled this year in school with a friend connection with just socializing with this kind of new group of classmates. And then, you know, different uh, circumstances. It just really has him struggling with just these friend connections. So Kelly and I, my wife, we are praying for Will about making these friend connections. And a lot of times when you have CP, you feel like there's nobody else out there like you. So we're just praying, we're praying, all fall on. We're just praying, we're praying. Well, then Kelly was choreographing a show in Seattle. So she's out there in Seattle, and one of the crew members is out there, and she's talking to this guy in Seattle backstage. And Kelly, less than me, offers up that her son has CP. But she was just like, yeah, my son will. He's 11. He has cerebral palsy. And this, and this coworker was like, what? And she kind of repeated herself. And he said, oh, man, this is crazy. So this guy lives in Seattle. But um, I have a nephew who lives in Minnesota, who's 11 years old, who has cerebral palsy. And he's a huge fan of Adam Thielen, the Vikings wide receiver. Guess what my son, guess who my son was for Halloween in his costume? He went as Adam Thielen. And we're like, this is not a coincidence. This is testimony of our prayers for our son who's been struggling. And God, I thank you. Thank you for hearing my prayers. And we've talked about that with our kids because let's talk about these things. I have some friends coming over today because it's my, it's my birthday today. Say happy birthday. Oh, thank you. So you know what? I'm, I'm going to tell them about the testimony. Why? Because they need to hear it. And that's going to encourage them to pray more, to pray more for their kids. It's this contagious thing. But if we just will share testimony. Now, for some of us, we stepped into that relationship with Christ when we were very, very young. 
That was my experience at least, okay? I was five years old. I barely remember. Sharing that testimony is good, is okay. But I think a lot of people can relate to what Jesus is doing in my life right now. So don't be afraid to share your life out loud right now. This year, we all need to increase the number of times that you share your testimony. From the previous year, we all can do that. Share testimony. Talk about who Jesus is, what he's done. People can't deny my story. You can't. You cannot deny that story. That is the craziest coincidence of all those things lining up. She was in Seattle. I mean, like, if if she would have been in, like, Minnesota, maybe. She was working in Seattle and connects with this guy who has relatives in Minnesota. It is not a coincidence. God is real. God is on the move. He is at work. And he has something that he wants each of us to do. Share about your situation. Share about your struggle. Share about how you doubt sometimes. That's good to share that stuff. And then share about how he's at work in your life and what he's doing in your life, and what he's speaking into your life. Share about how Jesus' power and presence transformed your situation, and share how life is different after that moment, how life is better with Christ. So at the start of the sermon, I talked about, you know, having this motivating message, and, and I even used the phrase, like, you got this. You know what? You don't got this. And it wasn't intended for you to get this. In Acts 1, he says, you're going to receive power. In Matthew 28, he says, I will be with you as you're making disciples. You have everything you need to do everything that God is calling you to in this new year. Share your faith. Prayer, care, share. Share your faith. Listen, if you want to live out a radical life that is full of beautiful Miraculous expressions of Jesus Christ. Share your faith. Share your faith. He's got this. Let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you so much for not being dead, distant, and dormant God. We pray that you are alive right now and that you're speaking to each one of us, that you're pursuing each one of us. God, the the challenge to share our faith Man, we maybe have had some bad experiences with that. It's scary. It's tough. But God, I know that you want each one of us here to do that. So God, give me the faith. Give me the faith in those three seconds to be able to ask a question or share a story and talk about you. God, I pray for each person that's here, that their 2019 would have more testimony stories from their life than 2018. God, use each one of us. We are open, we are available, and we know, God, that your power and your presence will lead the way. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.